Welcome to the Empath Rising Podcast, where we are healing from narcissistic abuse with human design, tarot, and astrology. I'm your host, Raven Scott. Make sure to share this podcast with a friend, spread the love, spread the light, and subscribe. Twin Flame. Does this term sound familiar? There is so much talk out on the web about twin flames and narcissists and how the narcissist that you were heartbroken by was your twin flame. There's talks about the narcissist not being your twin flame, but feeling like a disguise of a twin flame. And then there's talk about is twin flame the same as soulmate? All of these things can be something that you're thirsty for when you're feeling the pain and the trauma of immediate discard and the breakup from the narcissist. And even when you're in it, you're thinking, should I leave? But no, he or she is my twin flame. So this is what I want to talk about today because this is a real danger, even buying into this concept of twin flame. Now, I believe in soulmates, but I don't believe in absolutes. Like, you absolutely have one soulmate, and that's it. That's your only chance. That reminds me similarly to the concept uh, that I grew up with in conservative Christianity, where we have this one life, and we only have this one life to live, and there's only one chance. So let's make sure we get it right. I think a lot of that just feeds into the fear mentality and it feeds into this perfectionism, which is so toxic. And the last thing you need is to fall prey to some absolute idea as you're healing and you're raw and you're open and you're vulnerable after leaving your relationship from the narcissist. I couldn't sleep last night, to be honest. I'm recording this for you based off of my lack of sleep. I, I watched this documentary on Netflix and it's something about Twin Flame University. I don't know if that's what it's called. It's like um expose. So it's unveiling of the another toxic cult, another narcissist posing as a spiritual guru yet again in our society, preying on the vulnerable and the searching and those who wish and long for spiritual experiences and connections that made me really angry it made me really scared for all of you and i know i would have absolutely fallen vulnerable to this if i had joined up and signed up right after i left my narcissist because they give you this guarantee this you will find your twin flame when we're done with this class and that is a lie. They can't guarantee anything. We can't guarantee anything in life. We can't guarantee that we're going to be able to even get whatever order cup of coffee or scone, you know, like they may be out of stock. Like you just never know. And so that's the number one red flag that everyone should be aware of. I'm sure this is still going on, this university. I haven't actually looked on a Facebook for them, but that's where people find them and their website. I'm just starting to watch this Netflix series. So I wanted to talk about this and provide a cautionary overview judgment 
of this. And before I even hit record on this, I'm like, should I talk about this on the podcast? And then I pulled the tarot card to uh, have my higher self and intuition guide me. And guess what card pulled up? The judgment card. And the judgment card is something where you have this, it's almost like discernment. You have this aha moment, this clear light shining above the dark, hazy fog. And so here I am with you sharing with you about this. And you may be thinking, you know what, Raven, like twin flames are totally real and they're out there. And yes, my narcissist is or was my twin flame. And I think we've even had a couple guests come on and talk about how twin flames, you know, are the narcissist. But it doesn't mean that they're like good for you. I think one person said, yeah, go ahead, be with your twin flame if you wish to really experience an, an intense growth process. <laughs> I think the concept by definition is a twin flame is like like a mirror of your soul, like you're so similar that you connect spiritually. And the biggest thing that they were highlighting in the first episode is how brokenhearted, how empty these people felt after they had a really intense connection, I guess, energetically, spiritually, right? Like physically with a partner that they had. And then that relationship broke off. Like the other one wasn't sure and kind of was like, let's take a break or they broke up or, or in one situation that other person wasn't even into her, but she was totally into him. Right. So I was thinking through my human design lens. How does that work? Like, how do we connect so intensely with other people that it completely rips ourselves away from our own inner self, from our own identities? And it makes us feel so raw and open. And then I was like, well, open, open. It's the open centers, right? That's part of it. It's probably also a whole bunch of the open channels. Like there's a, there's a missing energy that you're seeking as a person. And when the other person provides you that energy, it feels so amazing. It's like a drug. You want more and more. And I also know that there's been talk about being with a narcissist is like a drug. And let me just draw you a picture of another clip that I heard somewhere on Instagram about they did a study with pigeons. So there's a reward system where every time a pigeon hits the pedal, they get seeds that come out of the feeder. And one group, they consistently, every time they hit the pedal, they got seeds. And so it was always like a given, like they're going to get it, they're going to get it. And so they could always rely on it. And then there was another group of pigeons who had intermittent reward systems where they would hit the pedal and seeds would come out. And then they would block it or they would empty it. And then they would hit the pedal and the seeds wouldn't come out. So then they try again and then they hit the pedal. Seeds wouldn't come out. But then if they try like a third time or fourth, they then filled it with seeds and then the seeds would come out. And so it was this inconsistent reward system. And what happened is they observed in the behaviors of these pigeons is that the ones that had consistent reward systems were not desperate. They were not eager or like they just were secure about knowing that they're always going to get seeds. So they weren't always pushing the pedal. They only pushed the pedal when they needed it. However, the pigeon group that got the inconsistent reward system were constantly pushing the pedal, frantically pushing the pedal, 
when is the next thing going to come out? Because it does always come out, but it's very inconsistent. Constantly obsessing over pushing the pedal, always around it, like just hovering and pushing and oh, then they get some and then yay, great, they'd eat it. And then like back to pushing the pedal like feverishly as possible in order for that darn seed dropper to work. And this was related to, and I completely agree, to how the narcissist conditions us to be trauma bonded to them, to feel empty without them, because they give us that reward, especially at the beginning. Then they remove it. They remove it. They remove it. They don't give it. They're cold. We're like, what the heck just happened? Like, I know this person has beautiful intentions and is good inside and they love me because they clearly showed it to me in the beginning. And then they'll give you that intermittent reward like, okay, they're starting to pull away. Like, I better give her something or him something. So then they reel you back in and they give you a reward of a dinner out, a hug, uh, a date, uh, a vacation, whatever it needs to be, right? Whatever their style of love bombing is, then they, they do that. Buy you a present. Tell you I'm sorry. And so you're conditioned to receive this intermittent reward. Which goes back to my other point of this emptiness inside of us that we feel when we are disconnected from the narcissist. It is just like the pigeon frantic for that love again. And so we'll look for it in other people or we'll look for it with the narcissist and go back to them after we've moved out multiple times like I did. And I think also this conditioning, I was so angry at Disney when I first left my narcissist as well. I don't think it's Disney. I think it's everyone, everywhere. And it's even in the spiritual community that love trumps all. And yes, love and light is the highest, most uh, aspiring enlightenment. But like, what's the definition of that love, right? Because in human to human, it's very normal for us to just experience conditional love or romantic love. I believe that that spiritual love is beyond romantic love. And then our little human brains kind of shrink it down into, okay, well, just true love's kiss or, you know, true love together or being coupled with our twin flame. That is the ultimate goal in life. And your soul's like, oh my God, no, it's not the ultimate goal in life. Like you being whole as you truly are is your ultimate goal in life. You learning and evolving, finding your true soulmate, that is the last thing on the list our souls are typically thinking about. That's part of the process because it's part of being human. And so it's like, yeah, sure, check off the box. That's one step towards whatever your life's goal is, but it's not your soul's goal to find a twin flame or a soulmate. I guess that's me speaking out of my own opinion and interpretation of the message I'm receiving here. You know, society conditions us to this contribution to feeling empty or desperate after a breakup is that single parents, especially single moms, are viewed as weak, as worthless, like, oh, poor her. Actually, I've also heard it the other way, too. It's like, oh, poor him, like whoever has the responsibility of the kids all the time is seen as like, oh, they have such a burden. And I have two beautiful children. I would see that as the reward. <laughs> to be honest, I would not see not having the kids and taking your full responsibility to the, as a single parent with them as anything negative. But society seems to always paint this just like disgustingly toxic smoke throughout c- 
culture that that's a bad thing. And like to even be divorced is still, it's so much more common now, but it still is like this feeling of failure. I did not want to divorce my narcissist because I felt like it would be a failure in the eyes of everybody that I guess helped raise me, even to myself. Like I really didn't want to quit. I didn't want to lose. And it felt like losing, like, but it's not a competition. Like if you're not with the right person and they're abusing you, like drop that false narrative that it's something that you are losing a battle. So this desire to be adored and love, and we do crazy things for love, like put up with abuse and continue in our trauma bonded relationships, you know, for that love that we get intermittently like those crazy pigeons that is all something too that harkens back to this horribly toxic false belief about twin flames because with a narcissist you do feel intensity they do that on purpose it's not like oh my god this is so spiritually aligned and this is so intense like this dude who's leading this twin flame university he's a full-on cray cray like he's a full-on self-absorbed narcissist who ignores all the red flags that should be there for you that any coach would obviously see and guide you but also he's not letting you self-guide he is peer pressuring you into hooking up with the twin flame because he guaranteed at the beginning of this university class that you were going to be so he's going to make sure you are he's going to set it up in the back end whatever he's got to do to make sure he looks perfect so he can keep making his money and scam all of the people here in the university and he will and i saw this clearly as i was watching this expose so this just to give you an example this 19 year old you know they they do this whole like weird seance where they call in her soulmate like each person's soulmate and then this 19 year old they called her in her soulmate and in this giant forum of loads of people that are desperate on their twin flame university forum this guy uh, messaged her like the next day who knows if the guy set this up i don't know either way it doesn't matter if it was set up or not she got the creepy vibes she's like it was like i i was repulsed by this guy who messaged me it was creepy right she was listening to her body at first and then in this class session in person on top of that it wasn't even zoom but it, it, this can happen right this dominating will center pushes the open or even defined will center into their agenda because he's so dominating his will is going to be the strongest one because he has to make money and succeed and look perfect and right be the spiritual guru so she's like, yeah, he wrote, he sent me this song and he made her read the lyrics and she's crying, but she's not crying because she's like so happy. She's crying because this is such an uncomfortable experience that she has to read this message that was sent to her that made her feel creepy inside. And he's like, that's it. That's your twin flame. And then he named the. He's like, what's his name? Name the name. And then it's like he like sealed the deal for her and he called out in peer pressure around everyone. So now she feels like she has to like make a relationship with this creepy guy, random stranger on Facebook Messenger that she did not want to. And then all these other red flags that kept coming up along the developing of the relationship when they haven't even met in person. You know, he's got this, he calls it a false, but you know, it was probably true because that's what people do. They're like, oh, it's false. I'm not guilty. It was drugs being found on him. He got arrested. And the guy is like, 
go get him, chase after him. It's like, what the hell? Like, why are you telling this 19 year old innocent, naive girl to go chase after a creepy like felon? Like, Who is this person? And why are we so blind to not saying, no, like this does not feel right to me. And this is why I'm always telling you guys to listen to your inner authority, listen to your body. Even if you don't know what your inner authority is and what it's like, just listen to your body. And this absolutely is some type of weird multi-level like cult because then he's making money off of all these quote unquote certified twin flame coaches that he has underneath him. He's created this big thing. So again, this is how cults are formed is through peer pressure, through feeding into the desperations of people, right? The, the negative toxic marketing of like focusing on their pain point. Like this is how cults are created. And it just makes me so upset. It makes me so angry. And I just want to protect all of you from this crap because it's such a full of bullshit lies and narc and extreme ideas and his own personal agenda. And his wife just sits there and nods. So maybe she's trauma bonded to him. Maybe he is the full on narcissist and she's just like, I'm going along with it now. I'm trauma bonded and they're making buco bucks. So, hey, why not? Who knows? I'm just projecting my own ideas onto it. Maybe it's totally not that, but I just was like, this is just wrong. All these red flags are just so wrong to be taking the word twin flame, to be using spirituality as a means to manipulate and be a narcissist and gain wealth at the expense of others' safety, lives, bank accounts, everything, relationships. I couldn't, I couldn't sleep. I just, and I kept waking up restless. And then I was like, this is just like, I guess I've just seen so much of toxic spirituality that it makes me go, I don't even want to be like seen as a spiritual person at all. Like, I feel bad that I'm even talking about tarot and all that. Cause then I mentioned that and the thing I'm like, but no, that's because they're misusing tarot. That's not, they're not actually reading tarot. They have, they, it was just like one blip at the very beginning to talk about how the wife of this guy is very spiritual. But again, if you're open to the more alternative, we, they call it spirituality things, it does leave you more vulnerable to people who can use these different tools against you. So I don't want anyone to ever think that I am telling you to absolutely don't do anything ever. Like I think just in the last episode, I was talking about like it never, never say never, but also I'm never going to talk to my ex, right? There are certain narcissists that you completely cut out of your life. And then there's others where you're like, you know what? They're tolerable or, you know, what? I can handle it, right? I can draw my boundaries. I can keep them out at a safe distance and that's fine. And you can still show them compassion and love just as any ascended master would do, whoever you choose to pick, you know, Buddha, Jesus, any of those. And it's really a matter of finding space within your heart to be wise about, okay, is this a scenario where I should fight about or should I just like let it go? And do I draw my boundaries here? Or do I just smile and ignore it, right? Like there's constant choices in our lives to pick battles, smaller ones 
are fine. Bigger ones, no, draw your boundaries. But I think it's something that I want at least us as a community to shift away from the anger of, I'm never going to ever talk to my, let's say, parent or family member ever again. Okay. And that's perfectly fine. That might be the journey that you need to do because they are so toxic and that's fine. But don't let that poison someone else's experience in personal development and spiritual growth that they may need to have that relationship in order to grow a bit more, right? Have the relationship, like I said, but with boundary on more of a non-intimate level, just because once it's gone, it's gone. It's really traumatizing. It doesn't, and that's, that's the thing, I guess, that really hit me in this last point. In this first episode, there's three episodes. Oh my God. I don't even think I want to watch the other ones because then I can just go on and on and never sleep about all of the wrong things in it that he's saying. But he's saying family is any type of deep connection to family, like these two siblings had to kind of like, pull apart and not be really close anymore because that's a leak and you can't find your twin flame or keep your twin flame if you have a leak like that's bs you can't that's totally a narcissistic phrase about isolating like you don't isolate away from your family because you need to like close off anything that doesn't serve you so that you can find your highest good like i feel like i've heard that so much last year And I even bought into it too. And then it just didn't feel right. So then I felt like I needed to reach out to my family. Like, like that's just too extreme. Like, where's the middle ground here? But he, you know, like made people cut out family because there was some difficulties there in their relationship. Hey, you know what? Those are called life lessons. Those are called, you know, like the fire with the glass blowing, you know, the fire transforms sand into glass, you know, that's transformation, that's spiritual growth. When things are hard, you don't isolate yourself away from hard things. And of course, you don't keep yourself in abusive relationships either, right? Like this is the balance in the middle. Oh my God, I just can't, I just couldn't. So that's what I'm trying to say about this whole like, cut everyone out. That's not good for me. It's like, okay, I totally get that, but let's not go too far. (laughs) You know, like let's still make sure that at least we say happy birthday to that person. And maybe that's all you do, right? Just out of love. You're like, I I haven't completely disconnected from you. I still think about you. I still send love and light and prayers or whatever you do for that person. Because you know, we all do in the quiet times in our minds, we're like, God, I just really wish that I could have had a better relationship. I wish we could talk. And maybe that's not possible. And I'm speaking from personal experience here. Maybe that's not possible that you could just have that relationship that you have in your mind with them. But they're not really abusing you. They may have emotionally been immature, used you, absolutely not, you know, given the same amount of energy into the relationship as you did. You may have gave, 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 and they, you know, barely gave back. I get that. I've experienced that. They may have completely not included you because they wanted to do their own personal agenda on a certain holiday. Holidays are coming up, you guys. This is all the triggers and all the things you want it to work out. I get it. But why don't you just keep it to happy birthday with that person? 
that's still okay versus this like don't ever talk to them ever again right like we still need to share our heart with them in a safe and guarded way with our own boundaries I guess that's what I'm trying to say so it it's up to you what that is it's not up to anyone else and it shouldn't ever be told or I guess you should never believe or take on the narrative that it should be so extreme I guess that's my only thing and of course if they were constantly abusing you you tried to move out for them over and over again and you finally break free of course don't talk to them like me I'm so grateful I don't have kids with my ex so I don't have to talk to him thank god thank every god thank Kali thank a Buddha, thank the Lord, thank every single spirit guide that helped me get out and heal. But I do not have any children. But see, there are a lot of you that do have children. So you don't have to be chummy chummy. You can be very business-like about it. And of course, you have to, you know, talk to them to coordinate if you have custody, right? But that's it. You can even use a special app for that. That's all still using your boundaries your intuition, your discernment of all the things you need to do. So I guess I just wanted to say that <laughs> and put that out there that there is a time and place for no contact entirely. There's a time and place for all the different sphere, spheres of how much you interact with somebody. Outer circle, mid circle, inner circle. The safe people who have your best interests, they're in your inner circle. The people who are selfish, emotionally immature, probably narcissist, or not even narcissist, they can be in your outer circle. That's okay. As long as you have that support group in your inner circle that really has your best interests in heart and isn't telling you always what to do, right? A, the, a really good parent or coach is asking you questions. How do you feel about this situation? What is your heart telling you? What is your intuition or, in human design terms, your inner authority telling you about this situation? Are you confused? Are you thinking too much about it? It's really up to you because it's your soul's journey. It's not anyone else's agenda to tell you what to do. And so that will conclude my rant and rave about watch out for spiritual gurus and twin flames that tell you otherwise that talk to you in extremes and smoke and mirror sugarcoat it over through love light and spirituality until next time keep your unique light shining thank you so much for listening to the podcast and being empath member here in the community. Don't forget to grab your free human design chart in the link in the show notes and join our email newsletter community as well. Share this episode with a friend into your stories and tag me at empath healing with HD. I've changed my Instagram handle. When you share it into your stories and tag me, I'd love to get just a snippet on what your biggest takeaway was from this episode. It would be so amazing. I always love to hear how this podcast has impacted you. For even deeper insights into your empathic nature and relationships, be sure to listen to the Empath and Narcissist Audible book, or you can grab your paperback on Amazon. 
It's a profound exploration of my specific journey and healing, providing you with tools for healing as well. Don't forget to grab your human design reading for only $50. That will be ending November 28th. This is a Black Friday sale. The original price is $250. Getting your human design reading face-to-face with me is really an invaluable opportunity to gain clarity and guidance on your life path, the areas where you can guard yourself up from the narcissist as well as lean into the areas of growth that you are needing to do specifically for you on your healing path. Also, until November 28th, you have to sign up to get free access to the my second book, Empath's Guide to Rising Strong, a human design guidebook for self-discovery. This takes you step-by-step through the process of understanding your human design chart. I also incorporate shadow work with goddess Inanna and moon magic rituals and self-care. There's four different sections in this book, including meditations, and I cannot wait to release this on paperback on December 3rd. But you can now grab your copy for $1.99 on Kindle or get free access when you join the review team. That link is in the show notes. Losing time, I'm fading fast. I just wanna make it last. Try to let go of the past. I close my eyes, embrace the blast. Sleepless nights and headaches stack. Restlessness to hell and back. What's my purpose? What do I grab? A slippery surface, a heart attack. And sometimes you just gotta believe. There's something that'll give you relief. There's something that'll have what you need. What you need. We're broken, it's tragic, we're not all elastic, but maybe there's magic. Believe you could have it, and I know of sadness, the anxious impact. 